Uh, I'm Brian. I know we've got some guests here this morning. Uh, special welcome uh, to our guests this morning, especially to our uh, guests uh, from Wellbrook across the parking lot. It's good to have you with us this morning. You may not know this, uh, you regular faith worshipers, but once a month uh, on Sunday afternoon, we go over uh, to Wellbrook and we lead a worship service uh, with communion and all that good stuff. And, and sometimes I go and sometimes other people go. This afternoon, uh, Tim Moore is actually going to go over and lead the worship service. And so doesn't have to be a pastor. Uh, so if, if that's something that you might be interested in, it's a great opportunity, again, uh, to lead in the life of the church. So um, we're just so grateful uh, to have Wellbrook right next door that we can go and, and serve them. And they're so grateful and appreciative that we, we come and uh, uh, lead worship and, and worship with them. If you've got your Bibles, uh, I want to invite you to go to the very first book in the Old Testament, the book of Genesis. And um, we do like to encourage people to bring their Bibles each and every week. Um, you can pull it, uh, pull it out on your uh, iPad or your tablet or your uh, phone, uh, that's all good. Um, I personally like to, to use um, a, a book Bible, a, 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 an old school Bible. Uh, I write in my Bible and I always encourage people um, to use this kind of as your journal in a way to have some conversation with God. And a little later on in the service, I'm going to invite you to, to write in your Bibles. It's okay. I know some of us are like, oh my goodness, that's God's holy word. And yes, it is God's holy word. But you can write in there and you can have some conversation um, uh, with, with God uh, through your Bible. So Genesis 1, uh, we're going to get there uh, in just a moment. Uh, I'm going to invite us to bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Holy Spirit, continue to move among us, dwell among us, speak to us, challenge us, stretch us, mold us, grow us. And God, give us some good news. Lord, we are weary and worn out. And so we come to you today and just ask that you would be a breath of fresh air, that you would be a cup of cold water to quench our souls. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. I love it. Man, that is awesome. We have a Pentecostal in the house this morning. Sweet. Well, in 1991, um, there was a, a, a guy um, who was at a flea market, um, and uh, he was looking for a picture frame. He had this picture that uh, he had, and he was just looking for a frame. So he went into a flea market, and uh, this is in Pennsylvania, and uh, purchased a $4 uh, picture frame. Um, there was a picture in it, and so he took the picture frame home. Um, took the picture out, uh, and he was getting ready to put the, uh, his picture in this picture frame. And as he was doing all this at home, he noticed that there was an envelope uh, inside behind the picture frame. And he opened it up, and it was uh, you know, just an old piece of paper, uh, and it said Declaration of Independence on the top of the piece of paper. And he didn't think a whole lot about it, and so he kind of just set it down, and he put his picture in the picture frame. And uh, later on, when he kind of got around to it, he said, well, I should probably have this checked out. And so he took it to a friend who took it to a friend who took it to a friend. They said, this might be something. And they learned that, in fact, this was one of the original 24 copies of the Declaration of Independence. And then just a few months later, sold it for a cool $2.4 million. Right? You're all going to go home and check your picture frames. I just know that's going to happen, right? Yeah, I mean, it was just one of these treasures 
hidden in plain sight, $4 picture frame at a flea market. Well, a few years later, fast forward, uh, in 2008, uh, a contractor in Cleveland, Ohio, was doing some renovation on a house. Uh, he knocked down um, some sheetrock and he looked behind the wall and he discovered that there was some cash uh, that clearly the previous owners uh, had stashed back there and he looked at the cash and it was from the depression and there was just $124,000 in cash behind this sheetrock uh, wall in his house. Well, more recently in 2014, there was a couple in Northern California, San Francisco area, and uh, they went to take their dog um, out to the backyard to do what dogs do in the backyard. And as they were kind of just waiting for the dog, looking around, they're like, huh, there looks like some metal sticking up. And then they kind of just scratched around and it was a can um, that actually had some coins in it. And so they started <laughs> digging around and they found more and more cans with lots of coins and they auctioned, sold those off for $11 million. I mean, there are treasures everywhere, right folks? Hidden in plain sight. And all of our imaginations are starting to kind of go, right? But I think so often we just miss these hidden treasures that are in plain everyday sight because we're so busy going through the motions, going through life, doing what we do that we just miss them. There are treasures everywhere. And so often we're just, we don't see them, we miss them. And so this morning, I want to talk to you, and for the next couple weeks, I want to talk to you about, I think, one of the most extraordinary treasures hidden in plain sight. And of course, I'm talking about the treasure of rest. And some of you are thinking, are you kidding me? I don't have time for rest. <laughs> That's for all those other people who've got time to actually rest. Maybe there's even some of you pious uh, Christians in our midst today who are thinking, well, the devil never rests, so I don't need to either, right? Interesting cliche, but there's no biblical backup on that one, right? The devil, in fact, wants to keep you busy and going and going and going. And so for the next few weeks, we are going to talk about what it means to experience this treasure uh, that God has given us that we call rest. You might be thinking, gosh, isn't that kind of an outdated, old-fashioned concept? Isn't that an Old Testament idea? Isn't this just something that, I don't know, who's got time for this? I mean, we live in a 24-7 culture, right? I mean, we, all of us, you know, we've, we've got access uh, to encyclopedias called Google and YouTube. I mean, we have everything at our fingertips, right? We can communicate with anyone in the world instantaneously. We can watch what's going on in China. We can look at what's going on in Hong Kong. I mean, in, in South America, you just pull up your phone and you've got this supercomputer in your pocket. And so we think about this labor-saving device and how we use it. But in fact, we are running ragged. It's supposed to help us out so we have more time to do other stuff, right? But what we've discovered since the invention of these wonderful phones 
is that they just kind of wear us out and, our, and things continue to move faster and faster and faster. And we live in this 24-hour, seven-day-a-week culture. And of course, we Americans are exhausted and worn out and weary and spiritually empty. See, we've got time for everything except for time just to sit and be with God and to rest. But there is a treasure, there is a gift in this whole idea that God has come to us and given us this gift, this treasure in our midst called rest. Isn't this great? I love this image that uh, Denise found. And I just thought, man, I want to go there. Anybody else want to go there? Just me. Yeah, sit on a hammock and a beach. And, and so as I was preparing for this sermon, I just thought, you know, I, I think we should just like give away an all expense paid trip to there. Right? I mean, would anybody want to, would anybody want to sign up for that? Yeah, wouldn't that be awesome? And, and so I actually went to the, um, the leaders of the church and I said, I think we need to come up with some money and just give away one of these for free um, because we need to get the people in the congregation excited about this. And, and so they just pulled out their checkbooks and said, all right, let's do it, right? <laughs> and so believe it or not, there is uh, a postcard, uh, one of these under your chair, one of your chairs. And if you are that lucky person, you get an all expense paid trip to this place. So everybody look under your chair, come on. <laughs> See it? You got it? Yeah! There actually might be more than one. Keep looking. Keep looking. Oh, you got one too? Anybody else got one? Come on. You got one? You got one. Oh, you got one. You got one. Oh. Yeah, you all got one. Except for the front row. That's your punishment for being late. I ran out of cards. Sorry, here, you can have this one, Sylvia. All expense paid. So here's the deal. For the next few weeks, I'm going to talk about how you're going to cash that in and why you need to cash that in, because we all need to go to that place. We all need to rest. And so I want to invite you to take that all expense paid experience home with you and just look at it <laughs> and rest and be reminded that you need to rest. All right, Genesis 1. You know, Genesis 1 is perhaps without question the most studied part of scripture than anything else in the Old or New Testament. I mean, scholars pick apart Genesis 1 over and over and over for good reason, because so much of the rest of what we read in scripture has its foundation in Genesis 1. It is so important that we really understand this story of God creating the world. It's a very dramatic story. It's an incredible story that kind of builds and grows. And it's a story that just begins in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And, and there was just nothing in the beginning. So everybody close your eyes, close your eyes. In the beginning was nothing, nothing except God. And then on day one, 
God said, let there be light. And you can open your eyes. And there was light. And it was good. Day one. Then the next day, God created this great expanse between the heavens and the earth. It was kind of the sky and it was all that. And, and so the story starts to build a little bit. And as I think about Genesis 1 and God creating the world, a couple images come to mind. One is a flannel graph that just starts out with nothing on it, right? Anybody grow up with flannel graph? Just me? Yeah. And so all of a sudden there's this light on there. And if you didn't grow up with flannel graph, here's what I want you to have the image of. If you've ever been to an orchestra before. And it starts out with just one violin, right? Just doing a little something. And this is just how um, Genesis 1 starts. And then there's light. And then there's the, the sky and the earth. Day 2. And then it grows. And there are more instrumentation added. More strings. And then the brass start to come in. And it gets more and more dramatic with all that is going on. On day three, God creates the water, the land, and the vegetation. And more stuff is getting slapped up on the flannel graph on day three. God saw it and said, man, that's good. Day four, the sun, the moon, the stars. And we look up and the drama and the excitement, it continues to grow and get bigger and bigger. And then day five, fish, birds, animals, all the creepy crawlies and things are starting to move on the earth and more stuff goes on the flannel graph. And at this point in time, there's percussion in the orchestra, right? It's getting bigger and more dramatic and the crescendo is just, it's, going, it's, it's getting bigger and bigger. And God says, okay, I'm not finished yet. Everything is set, the stage has been set. I've got one more creation that I am going to make and it is going to be my greatest creation in all that anybody has ever seen before. And this is on day six, beginning with verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living thing that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every uh, seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that, has tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground... Everything that has breath in it, I give every green plant for food, and so it was. God saw it all that he had made, and it was very good. Then there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. And so the flannel graph is just full. It's loaded. And if, we were, if I were standing in front of an orchestra, every instrument would be playing, and the conductor would be doing this on day six, right? And the conductor would bring it to a close. By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. 
because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And it all goes silent, and I can about imagine just this breath of just, ah, rest. And this morning, I want to camp out on just those three verses in Genesis 2, verses 1, 2, and 3. Because I think there's something in there for us, for all of humanity, to really understand the very fabric in which God created the world, in which God created each one of us, and how rest was so key, so instrumental in God's creation. So if you want to write in your Bibles right now this morning, you might want to write three lessons about rest right next to Genesis 2, uh, 1 through 3. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. God created this rhythm, number one. God created a rhythm of seven. God created a rhythm of seven. See, we have been living um, in, in a world that just kind of functions seven days of the week, right? We just think, well, of course, right? But when you think back, somebody had to come up with this idea of seven. Seven is not an automatic number. Seven is not even an intuitive number. Somebody had to come up with this idea, this rhythm, this cadence of seven. And scripture tells us that it was God. Seven is not the invention of any human being, of a mathematician or a scientist or a sociologist or, or anybody. In the creation story, we learn that this was God's idea to create a rhythm of seven. And so God says, I, I, he, he makes the, the earth, all of creation in seven days, and he gives it to humankind and says, this is the number that I need you to pay attention to. Seven becomes the number that, that in, throughout scripture you read over and over this number seven. It's this idea of completion, this idea of perfection. Seven is God's number, not our number. Not the invention of any person, but it comes from God, this rhythm of seven. And when we mess with this idea of seven, things go wrong in the world. See, we cannot tinker uh, or deviate from the number seven, or there are consequences. In 1793, though you historians know that was the beginning of the French Revolution, right? And the leaders of the French Revolution, as they're, they're going uh, through and, and, and conquering and, and overcoming, he said, we need to increase the productivity of the French people. And so the, French, the leaders of the French Revolution changed the calendar from seven days to ten days. They said, you're going to work nine days and then you get one day off. In fact, they invented clocks for a ten-day week. Well, how do you think that, how did that work for the, the, the French people? It was a disaster. Suicide rates skyrocketed. People went into a depression. People struggled at every level. And productivity went in the tank. And they said, oh, this doesn't work. 
See, God said, I made a rhythm of seven. Six days work, one day rest. It's in the fabric of all of creation. Don't mess with it. Or there will be consequences. So is there any wonder for us today, living in this 24-7 culture that we live in, why suicide rates have skyrocketed all around the world is things go move faster and faster and people are not resting. The Center for Disease Control came out with a study for the first time in 100 years the life expectancy rate has actually gone down for three years in a row, folks. This has not happened in 100 years. Why is this happening? We've fallen out of the rhythm of seven. In America today, birth rates are actually falling. People aren't having babies, right? Because they're stressed out. They're freaked out. People aren't getting married in America today. All these rates are way down. We have fallen out of the rhythm of seven that God has given to us, and we're paying for it. God said, this is how I made the world. Seven days. Don't mess with it. I give this to you as a gift. God has given us this, this gift, this rhythm for seven days. It's a treasure in plain sight. Don't take it for granted. Number two. <laughs> so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Now we know God didn't need to rest, right? He's God. But on the seventh day, he gave it to us as a gift. Resting is a gift. You might want to write that number two. God created into this rhythm the gift of rest. It's a gift. God has given it to us to enjoy, to appreciate, to absorb, to rejuvenate. You know, as I think about um, the, the whole creation story from when you had your eyes closed and, and we walked uh, through each day, I think about how God did this and God did that. And the crown achievement, the apex of all this creation was this gift of rest to just sit and be with God. And I think about how God created Adam and Eve on the sixth day, right? God created people. Now think about this. We think about this as day six, right? And it was day six. But for Adam and Eve, it was day one. Day six, they were created. And so on day seven, the very first thing they do is rest. I mean, we tend to think of the cadence, the rhythm of this. Work, 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 rest. But in Genesis, people, they, they were created, and it was be born, rest. The very first thing God gave humanity was rest. See, we tend to think that we need to work in order to please God. We need to work in order to deserve rest. God says, no, I'm giving it to you as a gift. You are born, and the next day you just rest. And that's how each one of us came into this world, right? Nine months of rest. 
I'm here, right? And then when your children, you've got, you know, we've got, I don't know, 15, 16, 17, 18, 26 years before you have to go out into the work world, right? Some of you. But that's how God designed it. It's, it, it's supposed to begin with rest. It's supposed to begin with, ah, just enjoying. And, and I mean, you, you, you guys know this, that first impressions matter. In fact, sociologists tell us that, that you form an impression of the person that you meet for the very first time in milliseconds. You just, you formed an opinion about who that person is. First impressions matter. So think about this, Adam and Eve. They come out, they're created, and God says, okay, here's what I want you to do. Rest. This is the image that God has given to his people. I am good, and I'm just going to give to you rest. I don't expect you to work. I don't expect you to do anything, but just sit and be with me. That was Adam and Eve's first day, and it was a gift from God. It's this incredible gift that God has given to them. On the seventh day, God rested. And it's a treasure hidden in plain sight. Number three. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. On the seventh day, God rested and he made it holy. God made the seventh day holy. Isn't it interesting that when God created the heaven and the earth, when he said, let there be light, he didn't call the light holy. When God said, let's make the space between the, the sky and the earth, he didn't call it holy. When God created the animals, he didn't, he didn't call it holy. When God created all the vegetation, he didn't call it holy. When God created people, he did not call it holy. The first time God called something holy was on the seventh day. He said, I'm going to make this day holy. See, in the creation story, Things, places are not holy. Time is holy. God created the seventh day as holy. And the older I get, the more I realize that every single day is a gift from God, right? Time truly is our most valuable commodity. Time is a gift from God. Every single day is holy. But the seventh day is that day that God set apart and he called it holy. And holy, of course, means that it's sacred. It's connected to the divine. So nothing in the creation story is called holy until we get to the seventh day. And on the seventh day, God said, this is holy. And here we are in 2019 and we're like, eh, you know, seventh day, rest, blah, 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 right? God calls the seventh day holy. Nothing in all creation, in the, in, the, in the creation story, is called holy but the seventh day. That's pretty amazing. And I think we just need to let that sink in a little bit uh, in our lives and, and consider what that uh, can mean for us. Now, those of you who um, study uh, history know that uh, the Jewish people were not the only religious people in ancient times, right? So there were the Egyptians, the Phoenicians, the Assyrians, the Akkadians. There were a lot of re very religious people in ancient times. 
And they all had creation stories, just like the Jewish people had a creation story. And you could probably go somewhere and read about all these other creation stories. And what you would learn in all these other creation stories is that the gods up above created the people down on earth to work for them, to slave for them. They were slaves. They were supposed to do the bidding for the gods. That's what all the ancient creation stories talk about, except for the Jewish God. And this is the only creation story in all of ancient literature that builds in this idea of rest. All the other creation stories of all the other ancient religions, it's work, 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 work. But God, right in, from Genesis 2, from the very beginning, says, rest. See, guys, we worship the God of the weekend. Aren't you glad we're not like following the Egyptian gods? Because we would be working and there would be no rest. God wants you to rest and God has given you this gift called rest. It's such a beautiful thing. And I think we miss just what a gem um, this is. Because we're just so used to, ah, this is what we do, right? We just go through our week and then on the weekends we, we rest. Or we do whatever we do or we don't rest. God says, no, this is unique to every other uh, religion, culture, uh, civilization in the ancient world. So those are my three. Number one, God created a seven-day rhythm. Number two, rest is a gift from God. And, and number three, rest is holy. God gave us the seventh day. So I just want to close um, today uh, with some good news. Anybody need some good news? Yeah, I need some good news. Well, here's the good news. We live in 2019, right? And we know some stuff. Medical science is advanced, and there are just things that we know that study after study after study have proven so that we can understand what it means to be uh, human beings. And, and one of the things we know, without a doubt, it's irrefutable, but there are a few key ingredients to a long and healthy life. Right? Couple ingredients. What's the first one? Come on, you guys know this. Eat right, yeah, have a good diet, right? Okay, that's the first ingredient. Second ingredient, get plenty of sleep. Exercise, yeah. Drink water, yeah! Good diet, exercise, and be social. Be in a community of people. People who are isolated die young, right? I mean, going to church is not just good for your soul. It's good for your quality of life. Being around other people scientifically has shown makes you a healthier person, and you live longer. Going to church, it's a good thing just to be with other people, to talk with other people. That makes you healthy, and it helps you to live longer. There was a study done recently of all the religious groups in terms of you know, who lives the, the, the healthiest lives. You know who the healthiest religious group of people are? Seventh-day Adventists, right? They eat really well, they exercise, they gather together in community, and Seventh-day Adventists don't just talk about rest, 
They practice it. Did you know that the average Seventh-day Adventist lives 10 years longer than the average American? 10 years, folks. Rest matters. You will live longer. You will live healthier. See, this sermon series, it's not about saving your soul. If you, if you rest, great, right? But it's not going to get you to heaven just by resting. This is a sermon series. This, this time for us is to really think about what it means to live right here, right now. This is a quality of life conversation. Now, we typically don't do self-help here at Faith Lutheran Church. <laughs> But for the next few weeks, this is probably as close as we're going to get. Because <clears throat> we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about heaven and salvation and all that good stuff. And it is good stuff. We're going to talk about how you're doing now. How you're living. Because when we rest, God improves our life. Quality and longevity. And this, we just look to our Seventh-day Adventists to prove this, folks. We live in 2019. That's good news. I mean, we don't have to wonder, is rest a good thing or not? Yes, it is. We know. And so for the next few weeks, I want to invite you to go home on Sunday afternoon, take a nap, watch a ball game, read a book, enjoy a meal with some loved ones, and just sit and be with God. And if you practice Sabbath, rest, you will be well. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this extraordinary story of, of your creation. And God, there's so much of uh, just the gems that are hidden in this text, in this story. But God, we are reminded that you have built right into the DNA of creation and into our lives, into every living thing, this idea of just resting and being with you. And so God, we thank you for the gift of rest. We thank you, God, for the ways in which you invite us to live into it. But God, it's, it's so much easier to talk about than to actually put down our, our phones and our, all of our busyness, turn off the television, turn off our computers, and to just sit and be with you and breathe. So God, equip us, empower us for the next few weeks as we go on this journey together. That we might truly discover abundant life as we walk this journey, earth, earthly journey together. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.